Hi, folks. It's Dallas Travers, and welcome back to another episode of Coaches on a Mission. This is the third in our very special series called What to Do Instead. You know, so many voices now call out harmful practices, and this is so needed, but not too many people offer up alternatives. And that's what my special guests and I are committed to doing with this series. So in a moment, I'll introduce our guests for this episode. We're going to talk about soul-saving sales strategies. Boy, for someone who cannot say her S's very well, I'm sure saying a lot of them with that. So bear with me, my friends. <laughs> First, I'd like you to please take one really important action. Visit dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. That's dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. That stands for what to do instead. Go there and download a special companion digital magazine where you'll not only enjoy a bunch, I think we're up to 27 now, special articles inspired by each guest in these special episodes. But every one of them, they're also contributing a free gift for you. So you can access all of that good stuff inside the What to Do Instead digital magazine. It's free to download. So go grab it at dallastravers.com slash WTDI. Now, I pledge to donate a dollar for every new email subscriber who downloads the digital magazine before December 31st. And I'm going to give that dollar to an incredible reproductive justice organization called the AFIA Center. The AFIA Center is the only reproductive justice organization in North Texas that was founded by and directed by Black women. And they do the important work of providing refuge, education, and resources for Black women and girls in North Texas as they work toward reproductive freedom. So please show your support by downloading the What to Do Instead magazine. You can do that now at dallastravers.com forward slash WT. Now, let's talk about some soul-saving sales strategies, shall we? Up first, you're going to hear from Jess Joswick. Jess is going to talk about why low-cost offers aren't always equitable. And this interview really got me thinking differently about pricing, and I can't wait for you to hear her take as well. Next, you'll hear from Hillary Weiss Presswood. Hillary is bringing the heat with a mindset shift. We all know that high-pressure sales aren't cool, but what about the opposite end of that spectrum when coaches relate to their clients' kind of sort of as victims. Hillary is going to challenge a mindset that you may not even know you have. Then we'll hear from Michelle Chirian. I'm starting to feel a little bit like the series might be better called what, How to Think Differently instead of What to Do Instead, because Michelle is also completely opening up my mind, hopefully yours, to a revenue stream that I just honestly had never considered before. I'm not going to spill the beans. You'll have to listen, but believe me, it's a good one. I'm also going to be a guest on this episode. We're going to wrap it up with yours truly. I want to talk through a simple client-centered alternative to the tired strategy of hiding your prices until somebody gets trapped on a sales call with you. I'm even going to share the exact language that I use on my sales call application. You're absolutely welcome to steal it if it aligns. So the days of manipulative, undermining, or pushy sales strategies are long gone. Let's dive into soul-saving sales strategies instead. Hi there. My name is Jess Joswick. I am the founder of Backbone Business, and I'm a coach for online leaders who want to create premium businesses that center their health and rest. 
I help my clients create 50% more revenue in 12 months by streamlining their offers, setting up a seamless and scalable client experience, and hiring their first team member. One outdated practice that I just want gone from the online space forever is to create low cost offers solely in the name of equity. You know, I see anti-racist and anti-capitalist coaches do this a lot. They will copy someone else's low prices and then start to judge themselves for wanting and needing to make more money. So by low cost, I mean that it's an offer, it's a program that costs under $1,000 a month or is $2,000 or less all in. And low ticket prices, low ticket offers aren't necessarily equitable for three reasons. The first reason is that if that's all you have in your business, it makes it a lot harder for you to run, to keep your doors open long-term, frankly, because you're not making enough per client to meet your money goals. So that means that you are always scrambling for new clients. I see this a lot with my clients when we start working together. They're always on a cycle of being either too busy with client work to find clients or they're frantically looking for new clients because they're not going to make enough that month. And so this is what happens. This is the cycle that you get into if you have too many clients and not enough money. The second reason is that these offers don't help you give back, or as I call it, they don't help you make a ripple effect. You have nothing left over at the end of your work. You're not making much of a profit. So as a result, you can't actually donate or open up a scholarship spot or take time off to volunteer or help out, whether it's at a nonprofit or through a mutual aid group or sponsor a community event. Like We don't have that flexibility built into your offer. The third reason is that it's not the easy yes for your clients that you might think it is. The truth is that any price point is inaccessible for somebody. Not all of your clients are price sensitive. Rather, more clients than we tend to think are rather outcome sensitive. They're looking for the result and that's what makes them buy. That is the the main lever point for them to actually buy something. Low price offers keep you on the treadmill that capitalism requires working hard, working all the time, often not for what the work is worth or what you could be making from it, always creating something new for consumption, not just for pleasure and joy and entertainment and feeling like you're not enough. Okay. So equity and low ticket offers, not necessarily correlated. They're not necessarily holding hands. So what's the alternative? What can we do instead? The alternative is to create a $1,000 plus per month offer with baked in equity. So that means that you're creating an offer that costs your clients $1,000 or more each month. Okay, so how can you do this? What does this offer look like? So these are offers that have four components. The first component is the aligned program promise. The second is a clear framework or clear process for getting, making good on that promise. The third component is the four cornerstones, not to make it super confusing with all these numbers. 
And the fourth component is a thriving price. So I wanted to go through those four components, but today we're going to focus on the four cornerstones and your pricing model. How are you actually going to price this offer so that it is equitable? And of course, for all of this, you have options, but let's go through the four cornerstones first. The four cornerstones are how I work with my clients to create an offer that is really comprehensive, that solves their client's most pressing problem, their biggest problem, the problem that they're feeling the most urgency about. And the four cornerstones are designed to save you time so you don't always have to be there for your client's transformation. So the four cornerstones are product, service, community, and ripple effect. Okay, so that ripple effect is baked right in there. But let's start with products. Products can be physical objects, and they can be digital downloads or things like a course. Services can be done for you, or they can be coaching and consulting. That's probably the one that you're the most familiar with. Community is a huge leverage point for you, which I just mean by that, it can really help you expand your impact. And finally, your offer needs to have that impact outside of itself, outside of just your client work, which is the ripple effect. So we do it this way because most of the time when I'm working with clients, I just notice that they have so much one-to-one work, whether it's coaching, whether it's done for you work, and that's why they're working so much. And that's why they're tired. (laughs) They're tired all the time. And so we want to take the pressure off of you to always be the one delivering. And that's why the products and the community are in there. That both of those components add a lot of value to this offer and help take their, the focus off of just you having to be there to deliver everything, to share your creativity, to take a lot of your time and energy. Let's talk about the ripple effect for one moment. And we're going to get to this a little bit in the pricing model. The ripple effect can be very direct. It can be like an offer that funds a nonprofit you love. The offer rather contributes to the ripple effect of your whole business. This is a model that I have. I donate a percentage of my annual revenue to the land, to the tribe whose land I occupy. So all of my offers, whether it's Founder Circle or High Ticket Hero, anything else I'm doing, feed into that, of course. Okay, so that is a baked in ripple effect into my whole business, but you can do the same thing for just one offer. So how much of these four cornerstones will be in one offer? Of course, depends on your company, depends on the work that you do. The point is not to get them even, okay? The point is not 25% this, 25% that. The point is to add elements to your offer that are unique and that serve your clients really, really well. We want you to stand out. So consider what you can add and don't get scared if you don't see anyone else doing community in your industry. That is the whole point. Well, no one else has a Slack channel. No one else has a Voxer group. No one else has this. I'm not sure that I can do it. That means there's a gap in the market for you. That means that your clients are hungry for it. Let's get to pricing models because that is a really exciting part. So where you want to start is with some math. Sorry, I know if you are not a math person, I'm not a math person either. 
but this is some pretty simple math. You need to start with how much you need to make to cover your business and your life expenses, including taxes, fees, and savings. So let's build the offer from that number. The other thing you need to know is how many clients can I serve at once, at one time? Because if you're listening to this, probably, likely, I would bet that you are working with too many clients currently, or there will be a season of your year where you're overextended. So what's your ideal number? And then finally, how much do you want to allocate for your ripple effect, whether it's money or your time and energy? So I'm going to give you a few ideas for how you can price your offer really equitably with real equity. So besides the ripple effect that we've already baked into it, here are some other things that you can do. One is a sliding scale. You are likely familiar with this already. And normally we see this based on money, right? How much your business is making, how much you're bringing in from your salary. And you can totally do it that way. The other thing, but really you can do this with anything that you can quantify. Okay. So the sliding scale could be based around how much time they can devote to this project each month. It can be based on how much they want to give back themselves. It can be based on how fast they want to get results. Now, my background is in design, in graphic design, and rush fees are super common in that industry. So this is the next level of a rush fee. If you want to get something done, the whole project done faster, not just one part of it, it could be more expensive. So you have some freedom to decide how do I want to do this sliding scale? And if they do go faster, what does that mean for the ripple effect that I've baked into the offer already? The second idea that I have for you about a pricing model is instituting privilege or access tiers. This is a really, I think, fascinating idea that I am excited to try. And this is based on a checklist with signs of economic privileges that you either grew up with or are experiencing now. So some examples of questions are, did you go to college? Did you finish college? Did your parents go to college? Did you grow up with food insecurity? Do you experience anxiety with paying your bills? Are you sometimes unable to pay all your bills every month? So thinking about some of the questions that you might ask there, you know, think about what is true for your clients. And this is true for anyone in any industry. Okay. There are questions that you can ask that apply to your clients. So thinking about what are the signs of economic privilege in education, in home life, in just things that sustain life, like food, shelter, transportation, who else lives with them? Do they live alone? Are they caretakers? Are they married? Are they partnered? What has their own career journey been or life journey? So come up with a few things and all of these, you know, both for sliding scale and privilege tiers, they are self-selecting. So it's an honesty moment for them. And that shows there's already trust here. You are coming from a place of trust and you expect them to do the same. My final note here is about scholarships. I call them fellowship spots. And I usually have an application of some kind. 
you can do either a free spot or a very reduced priced spot. This works really well for really any, again, this works for any offer. I see this often with coaching programs. And in the application, you want to ask everything that you do anyone else. My last point here is a common practice. So when you create a high ticket offer with the equity baked into it, you are able to create abundance for more people than just yourself. And that means that you actually have a shot at making the world more equitable without sacrificing your own financial well-being. And a great example of this is my client, Nina, who made $20,000 from her launch and was also able to offer a fellowship spot and donate to a network of abortion clinics. So not only was this her first time launching, it was the first time that she offered this program at all. And this whole process using this method made her feel really confident and excited to work with the people who enrolled, who were aligned with her values and aligned with the promise of the program. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, know that you don't need to follow everyone else's playbook online. There is no ceiling for your business, be that in revenue, in impact, in that ripple effect, in the message that you're putting out there bravely. You can make as much as you want and challenge capitalism, challenge inequity, and challenge these inequitable structures that underpin our society right now as you do that. Hi, I'm Hilary Weiss-Presswood. I'm a creative director and positioning strategist for creatives, consultants, coaches, and personal brands in our fabulous online space. I was also a copywriter for 10 years prior to doing what I do now. So I have a little something to say about worst practices today that are messaging and positioning related, and I think you're going to dig it. Let's get into it. My outdated practice that I'd love to see vanish into the ether is kind of a complex one, but I'll sum it up like this. I want people to stop talking down to their customers. We're all familiar or should be now with the fact that scaring the poop out of your potential customers or making them feel less than for signing up is a no-no. But there's another thing that happens commonly with well-intentioned and ethical people in the industry that creates a kind of different talking down dynamic, which is getting so deep into relating to your customer's pain that you start talking to them like they're fragile and kind of selling their fragility back to them. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what I mean. So coaches, let me tell you about why this practice should be let go of, especially for people who are in the business of empowering others, as so many coaches are. So there was a big push for this kind of I see you, I know you're paying language in 2020, especially when everybody was just trying to make it through COVID and everyone was losing their minds with stress, but it created a lot of messaging, especially in the coaching sphere that went a little too far into empathy by making people feel helpless. Like, oh, the thing that you're trying to do, like the like start a business or be more creative or get healthy or whatever, the normal approaches just weren't made for you. Or you have a brain that just isn't a fit for the demands of what you want to do or where you want to go or the demands of consistency or showing up or um, talking about how everybody's bold and shiny, but you're just not like that. You're an introvert. 
So that's just not going to work for you. And I have something that does. So with all of these messages, it created the dynamic between coaches and their customers that the coach is the only person that could possibly help them. And what this did to a lot of coaches, although we don't talk about it that much, is create a savior dynamic between these coaches and their customers. A lot of them ended up attracting a lot of people who were at the end of their rope because they were marketing to people at the end of their rope. And unfortunately, they just weren't equipped to help. This also created a lot of frustration with customers of these coaches because they've been marketed to like what they were being offered was something totally different. But more often than not, it was just more of the same repackaged with different messaging and maybe a slightly different angle. So on the side of also coaches sharing the message, it can frustrate you because it can feel like you're also trying to anticipate every reaction from your audience from the jump, which ties you up in knots. So instead of speaking precisely and directly to the people who are a fit for what you do, it created this feeling of like, okay, I've got to get these people over the hump. I got to let them know that I see them and understand their struggles in order to get them to trust me or even start dreaming with me. And that's simply not true. And that's what I'm here to speak about today, because the people who are right for you and what you do, they don't need to be coddled or made to feel like they've been wronged ahead of jumping into work with you. They need to be spoken to eye to eye and directly. But before I take you through the steps, let me introduce you to what you can do instead, because I always recommend my clients when it comes to their positioning and message, when it comes to selling their stuff, especially as coaches, to speak to their clients' excitements, goals, strengths, and preparedness. This also helps you focus on what truly matters most in a sales messaging and positioning process, which is speaking to the people who are ready now, as opposed to trying to convince people to get over them. So I am going to call this the speak to their strengths strategy. And as I mentioned, this is an approach to messaging and positioning that's speaking to the people who are ready right now, 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 as opposed to trying to get people over the hump. And you'll hear people talk about this strategy a little bit in the copywriting world where you want to move past pain points and talk to people about the positive change that they want to create and the transformation. This is going to break that process down. And The goal for us is to not just get more specific about speaking to your clients from an empowered place, but also get really clear on what's actually going on in your client's head so you can create that experience of, oh my God, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. Or, oh my God, it's like you read my diary or you read my mind. This creates that trust. This creates that security. This creates, again, that empowerment between you and your customer. That's going to make it a no-brainer for them to take the next step with you specifically, or if they don't buy now, to remember you and come back when they are ready to buy. So I call it the speak to their strength strategy. So let's talk about how we can dig into this and shape a messaging and positioning strategy that really speaks to your client in an empowered, in a positive, and in an exciting way that isn't trying to sell their fragility back to them. So step one, I want you to consider the desired end result. Think about your target market's goals. Sure, she has pain points, but what does she want? What kind of vision does she hold for herself? Would make her feel amazing or at peace? Or what is a goal that would just feel so exciting for her to achieve that she's been waiting to achieve for so long? So for example, if you're a wellness coach, maybe you want women to feel confident and live healthier lifestyles that are right for them. But what your clients actually want, how they would describe it, and that's the key here, is that they just want to feel amazing naked and feel sexy at whatever weight they're at. So as you can imagine, that's going to create a very different message than just 
encouraging your clients to eat greener food and hype themselves up in the mirror. If specifically they want to feel great, make it at whatever weight they want that confidence piece that alone is going to transform the message in a really powerful way. But we can get even more specific here. So let's go on to step two. Step two, you want to consider your audience's sophistication level or your audience or your clients or customers, however you want to address them. So think about what your client already needs to know, understand, or have in place in order to be really ready to achieve the goal. So let's go back to our example, pretending you're a wellness coach. So your client sophistication level, maybe they already know diets don't work. Maybe they already know that the diet industry is a never ending loop. Maybe she's already followed or unfollowed certain influencers. Maybe she realizes she doesn't have to calorie restrict to feel confident, but she wants help with the confidence piece while she knows she's doing good things for her body because she's just been in this fight for so long, but she's on the, in the back half of it. So her wellness journey no longer has to do with weight loss specifically, but with health, with strength, with confidence. This is going to be, again, a very different message from, oh, you poor thing. You wonder why diets never worked for you. And it's because they don't. That is a message intended for a customer at earlier level of sophistication than your specific customer is here. And you may be wondering also, as I talk about this, how do we figure out where my client is at and where the sophistication level is? One, you should have some idea intuitively if you're working with clients. Think about what they say to you most often on sales calls. Think about things that they write about or like or share or tend to see or share with you or talk to their girlfriends about. Because all of that is really a really rich text for you to kind of pull these very specific ideas. If you're not sure, ask them. Ask them about you know what they've already tried. Ask them about what their big goal is. If they were to describe it to you as this big pie in the sky, just have those conversations to get that data. But most coaches who are practicing right now, you usually know enough about your audience to take a sophisticated guess. And allow yourself to be surprised, shoot. The more specific you get, usually the better your results are. So let's go into step three. So just to recap, we have step one, consider your client's dream end result. Step two, consider their sophistication level. What do they already need to know, understand, or have in place in order to be ready to achieve that big goal? Step three, acknowledge your customer's efforts. So think about what she's already tried before that didn't work, but speak respectfully about it. So this is stuff that she's already like physically tried or attempted. So are there specific courses or programs they may have already dug into even years ago? Which diets were your customers most likely to have tried? And when did they realize they suck? What jokes do your customers probably make about diets in the wellness industry that you can now make back to them and relate to them? That is, again, a huge, huge, huge trust builder. And this sort of differs a little bit from sophistication level. Sophistication level is what they already know. And then the acknowledging your customer's efforts is what they've already tried and realized did not work or was not a fit for them. And how we make this feel a little bit different than like, oh, poor you, you're not meant to be here. We can talk to them directly about like, hey, I know you tried this. I know you tried that. It's okay. I get it. I've been there too. And here's what I think you should do next. Like here's what, now that you've tried all of this is the next step for you in order to reach that big, beautiful goal of feeling great naked. And then step four, get clear on why now is the right time. Think about why your customer is ready now and who your offer can best help. What crossroads is your customer at that makes this urgent? What is the story in her head that's running the show that she knows needs to stop? 
So to go back to our example, maybe if you're a wellness coach for women who want to just feel confident, naked, whatever size they are, maybe your client has a vacation coming up or a wedding anniversary. She wants to do a boudoir shoot for, and she doesn't want to worry so much about feeling skinny as she does about feeling confident and strong. Maybe she's just ready to be in her blooming era. There's some reason that feeling great and sexy naked is important to her right now. So take some time to think about what that motivation might be because adding urgency to your message is absolutely essential in order to get people to take the next step. That's what makes the call to action really strong and really hit. So the speak to their strength strategy works in two ways. As I mentioned, one, it gets your clients super excited to work with you because it paints a picture of what's possible and of the transformation, not just a picture of what's missing or what they're lacking. And two, it also helps you get super specific about who you're selling to, which creates this like, oh my God, she really sees me feeling for target customers who know they need to work with you. And that creates that, oh my God, I feel really seen feeling from an empowered and strong and exciting place as opposed from a, wow, yeah, she really sees and understands my pain. And now I am extra sad and bummed out to have that validated. So an example of this in my own business recently. So I get really, really specific with my sales language on Instagram, just because of the nature of the platform. I find because you don't have much space to write, you don't have a ton of space to share, speaking really, really specifically to the perfect client, just sort of bullet by bullet and making sure you use every precious ounce of limited space on the platform to speak directly to your people to make sure you only have a handful of really qualified people approach you and everyone else kind of falls away. I tried an experiment recently that worked really well for the launch of my program power position. Um, We had one last tiny group. It's a program all about develop, sort of reimagining your business from the inside out based on a strong positioning concept. It's for creatives and coaches just like you. And so for the feed post, because I didn't have much space, I wanted to make a carousel. So I was like, how do I speak to people in like the strongest, clearest way using these tools that I've just shared with you? And you can still find it on my feed. It says, do you want to play a game? And it's a carousel that says basically the rules of the game are if you see yourself in these statements, swipe, keep swiping. If you don't relate, then you're done. The game is over for you. But if you are ready to talk, go ahead and add, say, level one in the comments, and I'll get back to you with more details. What I should have done was automate the comments with a chatbot. I did not do that. I did it manually, but that's another story for another time. So in this carousel, you will see me get really, really specific with the things that I spoke about, talking to their desired end results, speaking to their current sophistication level, acknowledging previous efforts and things that they may have already done, making little jokes they would get, and also getting clear on why right now, now, now is the time for them. And it worked. It was a one carousel, one post, and it worked to finish selling out the program. Granted, it's three people, but it's a 10K program. So we only want the most sophisticated folks, uh, the most ready folks to be opting in. And it worked beautifully because the language was so specific. It wasn't about getting as many people as possible in the net. It was about creating a laser beam. So exactly the right people and exactly the right place to do this were magnetized to my work, to my DMs, and were able to move forward with the next phase of the process. I cannot recommend it enough. And it also creates a really positive dynamic between you and your customer, that you are not their savior, but you are right there with them. You see them as an equal. You see them eye to eye. You understand them, but you're not rescuing them. You're moving forward together, which I think 
especially in the current climate, is essential not only to create a more joyful process for you, but to create a customer experience that makes people feel really seen and understood for their strengths and extraordinary selves and abilities. So that's what I think. If you take nothing else away from this episode, just know that speaking to your client who is empowered and ready, as opposed to trying to sweet talk and pull somebody over the hump, is going to win the day every single time in your marketing. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has pain points. I'm not here to tell you not to be empathetic. But when it comes to creating a positive customer relationship from the bat, speaking to their strength, speaking to their empowerment, speaking to their capability is absolutely the way to go in order to bring people into your world who are ready, who are fired up, and who are going to be able to make the absolute most of working with you. Enjoy. Hiya, Dallas here, popping in with a quick reminder to go to dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI right now and download your free copy of the Companion Digital Magazine. We've turned every guest's interview into an easy-to-follow article. Plus, for every new email subscriber who downloads the magazine before the end of December, I'm going to donate a dollar to the AFIA Center, which is an incredible reproductive justice organization helping Black women women and girls achieve true reproductive freedom. So not only will you get the chance to support an incredible cause, but you'll also get a pretty rad freebie from every single contributor to What to Do Instead. Get the magazine now at dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. Real quick, let me give you a preview of the goodies that you will get from Jess, Hillary, Michelle, and myself. So Jess is serving up a private podcast for you where she will share proven strategies for coaches and neurodiverse entrepreneurs who want to add 50K to their bank account without the hustle. Pretty good. Then Hillary is offering up something that she calls the Statement Piece Framework. This is such cool training. It's part narrative thread, part unique perspective, part brand baseline, and 100% pure, unadulterated, good idea fire. What a really fun framework to help you get your message across in a memorable way. Michelle is delivering up five unfair advantages, online entrepreneurs, yes, that's you, advantages that you have in SaaS. And I'm going to give you the word-for-word script that you can use to practice price transparency. You'll hear more about that when it's my turn to talk on this episode. Okay, your companion, What to Do Instead magazine awaits with articles and freebies to help you take everything you're learning so much further. Plus, it supports an incredible cause. So go to dallastravers.com slash WTDI right now to get yours. All right. With that, let's hear from Michelle. My name is Michelle Cherian. I'm a product and go-to-market expert, and I help established online entrepreneurs and agency owners create and launch their own software products based on the IP that already exists in their business. So I've spent my whole career in tech, and after working with a lot of big companies like Adobe, Yahoo, and Intuit, and then lots of VC-backed startups, I'm now turning my focus to help entrepreneurs build really meaningful products that serve their communities. One outdated practice that I see is that a lot of online entrepreneurs 
only serve other online entrepreneurs. And while there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, I do see an opportunity for some, especially those with a very established body of work to expand their reach and be able to make an impact outside the online space. Related, many believe that to scale their business, they need to scale their services. And while I'm seeing some of my clients are keeping their services intimate and being able to scale through product. So let me share why we could rethink this practice. So while this strategy of scaling through services may work beautifully for some, It's not for everyone. And we need to be aware that there are a number of different business models to choose from and not simply follow what is, you know, quote, the proven path. One of my missions is to show coaches, consultants, course creators, and agency owners that they may be able to leverage their IP into software products that serve their larger community and beyond their initial community. And when I say IP, I'm referring to any asset that they use in their business to get results for their clients. So this may be spreadsheets, dashboards, or any other tool that they use. The software products that stem from these assets can be very diverse, but at the core, they are an asset that does not need the founder to be part of delivering its value. And this allows the work to be expand beyond the founder's personal brand. Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead. I believe that there's an opportunity for established entrepreneurs who have created valuable IP to build software products that will benefit their communities while at the same time growing their business and their impact in the world. Now I'll take you through each step. So first you wanna look at the IP and the processes that you use in your business to help your clients get results. This could be an asset, a tool, a system, even a container in which your clients, you help them see the success that they hired you for in the first place. Next, you want to ask yourself, what in this asset or system can provide continuous value? And what I mean by continuous value is what in this will make people want to come back day after day, week after week? year after year, because for it to be valuable as a software product, users must need it to solve a problem that they continue to have. For example, my email marketing system continues to solve the problem that I need a way to deliver emails to my audience. So your asset in its form now will be different once it's a software product, because it will need to provide some aspect of having a behavior loop for someone so that it provides some type of continuous value. If it does provide continuous value, then you really have the foundation for a software product. And now it's time to get really clear on, does this make sense for your business and for your long-term goals? Now I'd like to tell you five benefits that I see in creating software. And the first is that you'll be protecting your IP, meaning that whatever you have created can't be copied. A lot of things right now are created in Google Sheets or Notion, and it's actually quite easy to send that from one person to another or copy and paste it. So this would be a way that it is protected. Two is that you can expand the tool's capabilities. You know, as someone who loves product itself, this is endless, really. You can, you know, There's recommendations, personalization, reports, forecasting, matching, community options. This is really as much as you can imagine what the tool's capabilities can be. 
Three is that you can influence and impact way more people. So you might be serving tens or hundreds even of people right now, but imagine serving thousands or tens of thousands of people with a product. And four is that you can build a business that is not tied to your personal brand and your likeness, which means that if you want to sometime in the future, you could sell it. And then five is that it would be generating recurring revenue through subscriptions. So these are just some of the benefits that, you know, might be attractive to some and maybe not to others. Each person will need to weigh that and make sure that it makes sense for their business and their long-term goals. And if after reviewing this and, and you think a software product is in your future, there's a lot more steps that I won't quite be able to go to in this episode, but I'll bucket them into three sections. And the first is understanding the market. So really understanding and honing in on who's your niche that you're going to launch to. Who are the people that you know that are in your world that have the same success metrics and you know that, okay, this first smaller version of the product, I'm going to launch it to them and I'm going to know how to track it. Part of that is what is your competitive differentiation and how big is this market? All of these things will help you put in place some really realistic goals. The second part of this is really understanding your customer and your user and understanding what success looks like for them in this product. And this is about diving into the user's problem. like What are they struggling with? Detailing out what success looks like to them on an emotional, physical, and social level. This is really the heart of the product. And as a result of this work, you will have the workflows that you'll need to build out for your MVP. So the last container that I see, or the last section that I see is the go like really putting together a go-to-market strategy. And this is who will you launch to? How will you market and sell? And this one of the benefits that I see online entrepreneurs have is that they already have audiences and many of them even lead communities. This is amazing because this is really a head start in starting to design and develop inside of an intentional community. So those are some of the steps and benefits of really like this process and if you choose to go down it. So here's what's possible when you think about creating a software product. Imagine being the next Chani app, the next Wine app, or any of your other favorite apps or SaaS tools that you use on the daily. Imagine being able to serve your people with a product that doesn't need you, but carries your wisdom and your body of work. Imagine growing a brand and a product that expands your impact and influence in the world. And lastly, Imagine growing a business that is an asset that can be sold at a later date if you so wish. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know that as you continue to grow and develop your body of work, there are multiple ways to scale your business and creating a software product might be one of them. If you're curious about this path, please get in touch. My DMs are always open. Hello, it's Dallas Travers here, your host on the Coaches on a Mission podcast. I help values-driven coaches build a business they're proud of using the Ripple Effect system. Okay, so I'm so happy I get to contribute here to this incredible series. One harmful practice that I think we all need to throw away immediately is the silly game of hiding your prices from potential clients and customers. We see this rule perpetuated all the time by experts 
experts who teach us, especially those who teach us how to sell high-ticket offers. But think about how many coaching programs you've been interested in. And then it's just a mystery to try to find their pricing. Okay, so I'm going to share why we all need to let this practice go. As coaches, come on, we deserve better than that. Plus, our clients, they deserve so much better too. Now, I understand the thinking behind hiding your prices. It's basically that if you share your prices before getting folks on a sales call, they're simply going to price shop and never book a call with you. But if you wait until they're on the call, you can overcome their objections to the price with your fancy sales prowess. Okay, fine, but not for 2024. Come on. So before I take you through the steps, I just want to introduce what you can do instead. It really is time for all of us to practice price transparency. And I invite you to do that for three main reasons. Number one, it's a sign of respect to the client. Now they know exactly what to expect. They'll trust you more because you're just not playing games with them. Number two, contrary to popular and outdated opinion, you will likely see an increase in interest and an increase in the number of sales calls that are booked. I know personally, I'm not going to schedule a sales call with someone who won't share the prices with me ahead of time. That tells me a lot about the practices that they rely on and about how they run their business, and that does not align for me at all. Okay, I'm too busy for those games, and so are you, and so are your potential clients. Number three, price transparency. It allows you, the coach, to no longer worry about whether or not this potential client can afford you. They wouldn't be on the call if they couldn't afford you. What a relief to no longer worry about overcoming the price objection. Okay, so let me share the exact language that I use on my application for The Hive, which is my year-long mentorship program for values-driven coaches. Now, you are totally welcome to model this language in your own business. You know, it took me and my team, I think it was four of us, coming together for, sadly, several conversations to come up with what for me feels like the perfect language. So I hope that I can save you a bunch of time by simply sharing what I use and inviting you to make it your own. All right, so here it is. A note from Dallas. I strive for full transparency in my business, which is why I want you to know the pricing structure for the program. The tuition for the Hive is $7,800, which you can divide into 12 monthly payments of $650. If we agree that the Hive is a fit for your business and goals, I'm going to invite you to register at the end of our conversation. So please come to the call prepared to join us. So after that, folks have two options. It's a multiple choice question on the intake form. Option one, yes, if it's a fit, I will be ready to make my initial payment. Option number two, no, I won't be able to enroll at this time. So, of course, you're going to want to tweak this to match your own style and voice. But once you have this aligned price transparency language down, put it as the final question on your sales call intake form. I also include it on my sales page as well. 
You might also consider inserting it into one of the reminder emails that go out to everyone who books a call with you too. I do that and it really works for me. Okay, so here's what's possible when coaches use price transparency. I can tell you from personal experience that two incredible things have happened for me and I and for so many of my Hive members because this is a practice that they put in, into place in their own businesses as well. So benefit number one, folks come to the call ready to enroll. They might feel nervous about investing in themselves, right? But they've done the work internally to at least be okay with the price. This means you don't have to cajole people or somehow work magic to overcome the price objection that's already been handled. Benefit number two, this is the big one. I don't have exact numbers on this, but I would say easily 75% of the coaches who join the Hive, they tell me without being prompted how much they appreciate the fact that I don't hide the price from them. It's a really small act that generates a ton of trust and goodwill. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, please know that the sales call is actually not the place to overcome the money concern. That happens in your marketing content and in your price transparency. So give yourself the gift of erasing any games and honor your potential clients by sharing the price ahead of time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're new to Coaches on a Mission, please take a moment to like, subscribe, follow, do all the things so that you don't miss another episode. This small act of support actually helps us get this important what to do instead message into more earbuds of values-driven coaches just like you. So speaking of that, if you know a values-driven coach who could benefit from this episode, this show, or definitely this series, please share this episode with them now. And don't forget to download your companion What to Do Instead magazine now at dallastravers.com slash WTDI. We will see you soon for another excellent episode.